0: Well, welcome everybody. I would like to take a minute to welcome everybody back to our podcast today. We are here today um, during the month of November to talk about adoptions and permanent connections. It's my hope today that you're going to hear some exciting information and some stories, some testimonials and some upcoming events that will center around finding adoption to make permanent connections for our children and youth. Specifically, uh, the national theme for this year in 23 is to focus on adoption for teenagers. We know that adoptions are closer to permanency and to becoming independent than our younger populations. And it is our hope for them that we can assist them in their journey of making lifelong connections. We have some very distinguished guests with us today from our foster and adoptive resource centers throughout the state. So, we will start with some introductions there, but I wanted to just step back for one minute and give you some data so that you could frame how many adoptions we do in the state of Missouri. In FY22, Missouri completed 1,577 adoptions. We we seem to have that around an average number for us in the state. Um, In FY21, we had 1,517 adoptions finalized. And in 2020, um, we had a higher number of 1,757 adoptions finalized that year. So I'm excited to see what our numbers will come in at for the end of fiscal year 23. We're waiting for some of that data to be reconciled for us. But moving forward today, looking at the end of September of this year, 2023, we have currently 2,146 kids with the goal of adoption. Some of those children will already have permanent connections identified, but some of those children are waiting for those adoptive resources to be identified, for connections to be made. And that's what we are here to talk about today with our foster and adoptive partners. So, with that, I'd like to start with introductions. Lori, I want to start with you. Could you introduce yourself for us today? Hi, um, Angie. I'm Lori Ross with
1: um, Foster Adopt Connect. I am uh, the founder and CEO, and I'm also a very long time foster and adoptive parent. So uh, I'm excited to be here today to talk about adoption with you.
0: Thank you, Lori, welcome. And Deanna, would you make please make an introduction? Sure, thank you so much, Angie,
2: um, for putting the podcast together for um, Adoption Awareness Month. I'm the founder and president for the Central Missouri Foster Care and Adoption Association, also an adoptive kinship parent.
0: Um, Heather.
3: Hello. Thank you. My name is Heather Craig, and I am a recruiter for the respond program under the umbrella of the foster and adoptive care coalition. I also am a, fo- a former foster parent and an adoptive parent, and I'm glad to be here today.
0: All right, These introductions are showing us what rich experiences we have together today, and that is followed up with our own resident adoption expert Vicki. Welcome today.
4: Could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Vicki Stoneberger and I'm the program specialist for adoptions and guardianship. I've been an adoptive parent for 26 years. We also did foster care for about 6 years as well. And I've been working with these wonderful programs for the past 7 years that I've been in my position and um, not um, not least on the
0: list. Ashton.
5: Happy to be on the podcast again today, Angie, and, and uh, helping you lead this conversation. So um, I am, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm
0: Ashton Kiever. I'm the communications professional for the children's division. All right, thank you all so very much. I wanna kick us off referencing back to the theme for this year. The national theme on adoption for 2023 is Empowering Youth, Finding Points of Connection, Several of you shared that you yourselves are um, also adoptive parents, and I would just open it up to ask if any of you have experience adopting um, teenagers or older youth, and what those journeys were like for you, and what you'd be comfortable in sharing with our um, staff today.
1: I can speak to that. Um, uh, My husband and I have adopted a number of children over the years, and a handful we adopted as teenagers. And the journey is very different when you're adopting a teenager than when you're adopting somebody who is much smaller in that you're adopting a fully formed human being already who comes to you with their own interests and their life experiences and their personalities all pretty much on the path to where uh, they want to go. So it becomes kind of a combination of a, a mutual commitment to each other Um, uh, they choose you and you choose them and it is um, very much an opportunity for you to um, wrap them in support and encourage them to grow into being the best them. They want to become um, encouraging their interests and mentoring them through the challenges. Um, It's definitely a shared parenting role at that point because they still have connections. Uh, usually to members of their, uh, uh, their birth family and extended family network. And so, um, uh, but all in all, it's been really, really rewarding. Um, and some of uh, my, uh, my kids who've had the most successful outcomes are kids that we adopted as teenagers.
0: I have a follow up question for you. You said something and I, this is on the back of my mind a lot, but I didn't, I didn't know that it would come up today you mentioned, and I love the way you phrased it, um, shared parenting. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like to share in parenting with a birth family now that you're the adoptive legal parent? It just requires you as a parent to
1: get out of your own way. Um, It it really means that um, you honor and respect the relationship that they already bring into that circumstance with them and that you view yourself in partnership and friendship with that birth family, as opposed to in opposition to them. Um, and so um, for us, it meant facilitating ongoing contact. Um, it meant making sure that birth family members were involved in every uh, big event or um, you know, something that was meaningful to the child. It meant um, ex- extending invitations for them to participate in things with our family and vice versa. Um, I remember attending with my daughter uh, the funeral of her grandfather when he died um, with her entire birth family there, and obviously there was, I mean, there was no question. We were part of their extended family in the same way that they were part of ours. Um, I do not know how I would ever imagine doing it any differently, because if you choose to adopt and love a child who is a fully formed teenage human being, um, basically you are choosing to mesh your family with that of
0: that child and their family is part of who they are. The words that you've put to that experience, um, just extremely meaningful. I didn't hear anything about um, a comparison or a competition. And um, just to hear the true richness of those relationships um, and leading into those permanent connections that we think about when we think of the word adoption, just really speaks to the, the relationships that come from that.
3: So, I've adopted three children. They were younger. And so I really um, uh, was just listening to the sentiments that Lori gave. And I think that's awesome. I know for me, parenting younger children, that's something that I strive for. Um, I definitely think it's, it's great to bring the biological parent connection into the conversation. It's huge. I work on a program. Now, through the foster and adoptive care coalition um, called respond, and we really work to speak to our foster parents about the importance of keeping that conversation and keeping that communication open with that birth parent. So, even when we're not looking at the adoption, right, just really, really making sure that you focus on the family and, and that you don't, um, like Lori said, you get out of your own way, you know, you don't let your thoughts or your bias impact what that child could have with their biological family. And so um, I just appreciated that comment, but my children are a little younger.
5: You know, we did a podcast um, in June with the Cult Foster. That's our other podcast that we we do. And um, it was specifically focused on reunification, but what a, a lot of what you're saying right now completely aligns with that same mentality of like, don't go in with the prejudgment of the of the parents and it turned out that this podcast specifically featured um a bio mom and um uh the foster mom who ended up becoming such close friends that they share you know even though the child so the child was reunified it wasn't an adoption situation they are like family now they just they have all of their holidays together and so um I just wonder, like, is it an opportunity for you to extend your family in that way as well through adoption um, if you
4: can maybe
5: get past what, maybe, I think Angie kind of mentioned it was a lot of people probably think about it being like a competition thing.
3: Um, you know, I I just always feel like the more people that love on these kids, the better. Um, these children come from hard places and You know we don't always have the answers we're on here telling our personal stories and our professional backgrounds and we still don't have all of the answers you know no one no one comes with a book and um there's just a lot of rich information and rich connection that you can make with a child's biological family so that's awesome that you all did a podcast on that yeah and i would agree that i mean the the worst that's going to happen
1: is that relationships get messy sometimes But I mean, honestly, if you go home tonight, you are probably going to have messy relationships in your own house with your own family that lives there with you. So if the worst thing that happens is relationships get messy, oh, well, then we are all learning how to work through messy relationships together. So um, it is, you know, it is all around the mutual love of the child.
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah, I adopted my nieces and nephews, so it is a little bit different. they came in a, 1 was a little older, but the other 2 were younger. And so there's that intersection um, with family. And so that can be a little bit different um, than foster care adoption. And so, but the same context around what Heather and Lori is saying, and that is, uh, You know, providing that connection to their mom and dad was really important to us. I remember taking them to Algoa uh, to a program there through MU Extension years ago, whenever we um, got the kiddos. And um, there was a a program that they could do arts and crafts and learn how to, you know, cook together and all sorts of stuff. And um, it might have been kind of scary at first, but after the kids got in there and sat down and and really was able to connect with their father and and learn that you know uh, that he loved them uh, that that regardless of of the choices or whatnot at the heart of of the situation he still loved his kids and same thing you know with my sister she she still loved them um, and so we didn't want to ever take away. Uh, that opportunity for them to connect to their mom and dad because we were really really hoping that they would be reunited and we tried for many years to reunite them back but unfortunately that didn't happen and we went ahead and went into the adoption phase of things but even through adoption you know we never did close the door we continued to make sure that those connections were there uh you know always opened our door to make sure that 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 was happening camping trips you know whatever it was um it's a little bit different than going from auntie to mom um you feel kind of guilty for that whenever you're with your sister in the same room and and (laughs) and so there are some things that had to be you know figured out with that but i'm just really you know speaking honest and Truth around this situation, but, um, uh, I don't think any child in foster care or kinship care or through adoption can have too many people to love them. You know, uh, I, I think that. um, You know, whenever we're talking about points of connection on this podcast, you know, it's, I think the more the merrier as long as, you know, uh, we've got. Healthy relationships there. And like Lori's talking about, I mean, I don't know of a person that doesn't have messiness.
4: I don't think it matters whether you adopt a child from birth or at age three or at age 14. Those connections that no matter what, when you adopt a child, usually around the teenage years, are going to be when that child really starts to comprehend what adoption really means. And maybe start asking about their past. And one of the things that I really like in working with our family resource centers are they, you know, not only do, you know, the heads of these corporations and organizations have the experience, they really um, employ a lot of their staff that have these experiences. And so, you know, just kind of knowing that, you know, these these organizations are there for families, no matter when they adopted, and really help those families through some of these things that they're dealing with, with those connections they do understand. And so one of the things I, I wanted to kind of add is, you know, Missouri parents have been benefiting these organizations since since 2007 through a House Bill 11. And even though we have, you know, they're, they're the three. They actually touch every county that we have in Missouri, and they have offices all over the place. St. Louis, Kansas City, Springfield, Jefferson City, Rolla, Columbia, Osage Beach, Macon, Hannibal, Cape Girardeau, and in Wright County. I hope I didn't miss any, Um, but, you know, not only do they actually have centers in those, they they touch each county. So our families um, of, no matter when they adopted, can reach out. During connections, you know, that they're having with their, with their children, um, to, to people that understand and their employer employees understand where they're coming from. So, uh, Heather, Deanna, Lori,
5: you know, we, it's been really cool to hear your connections, um, to adoption personally. Can you tell me a little bit more about your organizations and um, how you work with CD to um, kind of facilitate adoptions and, and what all you guys do to support families in your area? So our family resource centers, um, I'll just
1: start, this is Lori, um, the, the family resource centers are, um, are very much alike in some ways. And then we all have things that we do just a little bit differently from each other too. Uh, My organization serves the largest geography in the state of Missouri. So we do um, the Western side of the state uh, and um, come across the North, the rural North and across the rural South parts of the state. So we are like a big C in the state of Missouri. Um, And uh, Deanna's organization serves the central part of Missouri, the Central Central Missouri Foster Care and Adoption Association. And the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition serves the St. Louis area and the counties surrounding St. Louis. Um, So we are very similar in that there's core services that we all offer. So as it relates to adoption, all of us do specialized recruitment programs to assist young people um, in finding families. Uh, We do front-end recruitment services when kids are first coming into care. Um, through the 30 days to family model that the Foster Adoptive Care Coalition created. And we do diligent recruitment and search on the uh, back end of the foster care system for youth aging out of care. Looks slightly different from location to location, but very much um, is uh, based on the family finding principles. Um, It came from Kevin Campbell originally, and then have been adjusted and improved um, by some of our partners here in Missouri. So, in in that way, we do those things collaboratively. We also provide a lot of direct support to the families that are providing care for the kids, including um, training, plenty of available training, um, uh, opportunities for support group, respite opportunities, um, opportunities for stuff, um, giveaway things, uh, clothing, um, food. Sometimes, um, and then we do a lot of work around advocacy or um, individual case specific support where we're working with a family who has questions needs a referral to a service provider or um, needs help navigating a situation because, you know, parents who adopt children from foster care, um, no matter what kind of parent, we are relative kinship, foster, adoptive, whatever it is. Um, navigating a bunch of different bureaucracies and, and no offense, but the children's division is definitely one. And then there are the courts and then there is the education system and then there's the health care system and the mental health care system. All of those things are overwhelming to say the least. And we have a lot of experienced, long time foster adoptive parents and social workers who guide families through that process to try to make that successful. Um, we all do other things individually in our organizations and if anybody else wants to pipe up, I'll be quiet.
3: Lori, I think you explained that so well, so thank you. <laughs> but, um, over at the foster and Adopt- uh an adoptive care coalition, we do all of what, um, Lori said. Uh, so when I, I kind of think about our program in 3 tiers, so we've got family finding, which is all of the recruitment efforts that she spoke of, um a really cool thing that we do is a place to call home so we partner with ksdk five on your side and vantage credit union and we highlight children that are deemed a little harder to place i don't like that term but um uh, it, it kind of is what it is a lot of times these children Um, are of a certain age, maybe they have a certain medical condition. Maybe they're just a sibling group. And so we really look to find compassionate caring individuals that may be able to provide a a permanent home for them. You know, our vision at the foster and Adoptive care coalition is that we want every child to have a place to call home. And so uh, I really love that. We do that. We definitely have our extreme recruitment services. Uh, We have family connection programs where we seek to find biological family for children that are in care. We have a family development program, so we are licensing uh, individuals that say they want to become foster parents or adoptive parents. We do our pre-service training, which is required in Missouri. Um, The program that I work on is Respond, and it is a new old program. Um, it's new for the foster and adoptive care coalition to be handling the program, but this program looks to locate and recruit black foster parents in our area. We have a huge disparity. I don't think that is a secret to anyone, but we have a huge disparity of black foster parents in our area. So, uh, right now, about 70% of kids that are in care identify as black or African American and only 13% of our non relative foster homes do. And so we look to close that gap and make sure that we have parents that represent children across all different cultures. Um, The other tier is kind of our supporting families. Like Lori talked about, right? We have a refresh and resource. We are able to use some of the funding that we receive from our nonprofit clothing store, which is Refresh, to feed that back into the children that need it in our foster care communities. We're able to provide um, free clothing to kids that are in care through our refresh program. I'm sorry, our resource program. Um, and we have birthday buddies and holiday little wishes and things like that to help support families around birthday times and holiday times. We also offer training um, as was stated also for parents and professionals. And so we've got a lot going on uh, by way of support.
4: Great job, Heather and
2: Lori. <laughs> I don't know what else I can add, except for to say that we do training in adoption competency. Um, a programming here in Mid Missouri in in partnership with foster adopt care coalition and and um, case center for adoption, support and education. Uh, I think that program is really um, helpful for families that are <clears throat> both pre and pre adoptive and then also going through the adopt adoption process. Really? Um, I think those competencies help to stabilize homes. Um, And and just provides uh, a wealth of knowledge for adoptive families. Uh, I know I didn't have that uh, program back when, and I would have loved to have it. Um, We do the same type of things. Everything from family finding, uh, we've replicated a program from Lori's organization called extreme family finding, which is targeted recruitment for for um, kids who have been exposed to long term. Uh, foster care, and just really trying to mitigate mitigate that for them and and trying to find some permanency, whatever that permanency may look like, whether or not it is true adoption or just connections to adults or or being able to go out on their own with really connective um, people support and mentorship and whatever that may look like. We also do 30 days to family, which is really a bridge for kids. Who come into foster care um, and trying to get them out within a 30 day period of time. That is a replicated program from foster adopt care coalition. Um, And then, you know, we, we do a lot of support around community connections, youth project program, which is a replicated program from Lori's group again. And that really does support youth um, that are 18 to 26. You know, we do. Everything that we can to be able to provide um, stories and 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 advocate for kids who uh, you know have been forgotten uh, sometimes and and like Heather was talking about that program that they have a place to call home. We just uh, began our new program um, called A Family for Me. It was uh, released on November the first. And Denzel was our first kiddo that was highlighted on that program. It is the same concept, just trying to put more attention on kids who come from hard places and need a little bit more assistance and support around finding families that that would. um, You know, uh, provide uh, forever family for them. We do the same type of things too. We have. The trunk clothing closet, we have the tree house, which is a visitation program um, that is providing a bridge for biological families to come visit with their children as often as they possibly can to try to reunite them as quickly as they can. So, any of the licensing agencies and children's division can use the tree house and we just really encourage everyone to sign up for that. We can offer transportation to biological families or. Or pre-adoptive family, whatever that is, um, to get uh, those kiddos to be able to 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 visit more often. Um, and so uh, we too have uh, think you know we provide holiday baskets to families and and partner with other community organizations to provide holiday gifts or financial support through advocacy or educational support, legal support, family support uh sometimes ieps and 504 plans can be a struggle for our families they're not really sure how to navigate that and so we try to support them with our advocacy program with that as well Uh, there's a lot going on at the family adoptive resource centers of Missouri. We all try to do our best Um, along with advocacy. We work with legislation a lot and we're at the Capitol a lot. Our head our headquarters is in Jefferson city. So, if Lori or Melanie's team needs us to go over there and talk about a specific um, issue that that may um, impact our, our kiddos, we will do that. Um. You know, we're just, we're just all trying to come from a place of help and support and connection and and collaboration uh, with our stakeholders and children's division.
4: You know, and I, I would just like to kind of add, you know, you, you've heard them kind of talk how they, they all do work together and they do um, what's really nice is all 3 of the family resource centers ha- work on 8 core competence or core uh, services. To where for families working with foster Adopt connect in Kansas City, and then they move to St Louis, they can expect a lot of the same services happening um, at foster care and um, foster and Doctor care coalition. Or if they move to the middle, you know, they have each of that the same core services, but then they also have unique services as well. Um, and, you know, staff can look on our CD intranet where we have a map. To where, if they know where the family um, lives, you know, they can kind of hover over that county and whatever county it is, it's going to bring a drop down of which family resource center works in that county and list their um, services. So, I think we, we've done a really good job of letting staff know who to connect families with, you know, depending on what county, but they do all really work well together too. I just, I think it's
5: really cool how, um you know, I, I'm kind of outside of the CD world, right? Like, I'm not, actively uh, knowledgeable about all of the ins and outs and the details of all of this stuff. So it's really interesting to me to hear how your organizations don't work in a silo. Um, You're borrowing and like tweaking and using each other's ideas to um, really carry it through the benefit um, for the children. You know, it's the focus is not on what can my organization do. It's what can we as a partnership um, of organizations, how can we um, improve the lives of these children who are looking for their permanent families, who are who are needing a temporary place to stay, um, whose families are working through some stuff. Like, it's just really cool to hear how you work together. So, Angie, I kind of was wondering, like, from the department and and divisions perspective, how um, beneficial is it that these organizations work together so well and seamlessly on issues like this?
0: Thank you, Ashton. I think um, they just play such a critical role for us. We all have limitations within our own positions and with our own agencies. We heard um, some um, examples of opportunities to help Reach out to our legislative partners so that we can work on improving our practice through different changes to the legislative process, as well as the resources that these um, foster um, family resource centers can help provide for families, whether it be something tangible as clothing or bedding or food or a referral to a community. I know that I have heard from families that maybe a pass was given to go to. Um, the bounce house type of activities and those type of family outings. We heard about birthday supports. These are things that although our staff would love to be able to get when they manage their caseloads, when it comes down to those details to support families, we don't have the resources to do that. And it's just a true blessing to have these resource centers out there to be able to partner with our families. And I think it's a good opportunity for families to feel a support from an agency that's not the same agency that's managing the case and that's working alongside the families in that situation, I feel like our our resource centers are truly a support just for our families, almost like an additional coach, um, an additional mentor, something that is just between them without a bureaucratic system overseeing that connection. And I think that's what makes it genuine and real. We've talked a lot about the different services that are out there and available to our um, families through the different resource centers. Do we have, Vicki, do we have some numbers on the amount of families that are receiving these services throughout our state? We do,
4: I can share with you that with the FY23, all three of these family resource centers together served over 24,000 families, I'm sorry, over 24,000 children and over 31,000 families just in the FY23. And so I know every year that we calculate these numbers, it goes higher and higher. So it's every year more and more families are being served, more and more children are being served.
0: Thank you, Vicky. I think that's really an important um, item to capture for us as we move forward and we grow our adoption resource centers. Specifically this year, as we focus on what it means to um, help recruit families for our older youth, helping them. um, Just a reminder for our November theme is empowering youth, finding points of connection for older youth. I wondered if each of you might be able to share what supports are available for older youth. If we have families that are searching for an adoption connection, and we know we have older youth waiting to find permanency. What resources are available that would help a family blend at that age?
1: Well, there's definitely what there's strategies that can be used with older youth that um, that we need to try to employ even more than we do. For example, we do uh, extreme family finding, foster adoptive care coalition does extreme recruitment. Um, and in those programs, we are working with those young people. We are bringing Um, them into the process of helping to identify who cares about them, who do they have a relationship with and trying to begin to explore those um, those kinds of supports. 1 of the things that we hope to be doing more of in the future is to um, maybe do some reverse matching where we're able to um, highlight a family in particular, Um, uh, maybe do a little video of the family and provide an array of families. Um, that older youth could look at and consider as opposed to the way that we do recruitment now um, and let us know who they're interested in learning more about in terms of potential uh, adoptive families. But 1 of the things that we know is true is that very often the folks who are most willing to step up and be the permanency placement for older youth in care are people with whom they already have some kind of relationship and connection. So that's where. The the family finding the uh, relative kinship, finding the teachers, the coaches, the uh, church youth group leader, whoever it may be that that child already has a relationship with that becomes so much more important. And again, as much as the staff um, at the children's division, and even the, the contract agencies that hold the foster care case management contracts would love to have the capacity to be able to go out and have those kinds of in depth conversations. There just isn't enough time. To be able to to do that kind of in depth look, um, uh, you know, on behalf of the kids. Uh, And so that is something that we do as family resource centers.
3: I just kind of wanted to piggyback on that a little bit um, and talk about a program that we have, and it's not necessarily to identify an adoptive resource for our older youth, but we do at the foster and adoptive care coalition have our older youth readiness program. And so we have um, navigators, as we like to call some of my colleagues that really work and walk alongside some of our older youth. They are mentors to them. So kind of like Lori was just talking about and how we've been saying all day, right? These points of connection. So just making sure that they do have someone that is able to give them some sound advice. Or that is able to help them identify resources um, and just kind of help them with that transition into adulthood. So, I, I think that, that that's a pretty amazing program that we do have at the foster and adoptive care coalition.
2: I would echo what both Lori and Heather says that we, you know, the family targeted recruitment efforts around family finding uh, is super important. I like the idea Lori, of reverse matching. Um, you know what's really cool about about our relationship at the family resource adoption resource centers is we're super creative people i think and we ha- we cast visions and we listen a lot to what's going on and so things like this just pop up like what lori just talked about because of because of i think a lot of conversations and stuff with our kids with our families and and they you know present information back to us um That may be helpful Uh, and so and so creative ideas like that reverse matching comes up, but, you know, I do think that. Kids need to be able to choose um, not just families choosing them. I think that um, that will help with stabilizing homes better and. um, Less adoption disruptions will happen. Uh, I really think that we need to do a better job of going into congregate care and in talking to those kids too. Uh, I'd like to see, um, us all come together to try to figure out what that looks like. Maybe pizza parties, maybe some of that reverse matching in there. Uh, I wish that our kids didn't have to hang out in there for so long. But, you know, like, Heather mentioned. Sometimes they're, they've got some elevated behaviors or elevated issues or things like that that maybe some of the families that have been recruited are you know have some apprehension or have haven't necessarily got the training that they need to feel good feel strong enough or or or, um, confident enough to be able to provide that care for for those kiddos and i think that we can all work together to to see that through and i think there's a lot of families out there that would Absolutely consider um, adopting um, large sibling groups, medically fragile um, and um, elevated behaviors and needs. If, if, if they, uh, if we all can come together to make sure that we've got uh, what we need to provide that for for our families who want to adopt. Um, I think, in addition to that, to be able to, uh. Provide information to kinship families uh, that want to adopt too uh, is really important because there's this idea of guardianship and adoption. And sometimes our kinship families are a little confused um, about the benefits and supports around both of those. And so guardianship is completely different than adoption. And so uh, those 2, I think we can define a little bit better. Uh, and and really provide that information to our kinship families, because sometimes it does goes towards adoption, just like I mentioned earlier in my, you know, in my personal case, but. Yeah,
0: hope, hopefully that helps that does Deanna. Thank you so much. I think um, we're getting close to the end of our time today. And I wanted to say, 1st um, of all, I wanted to thank all of you from our. Family Resource Centers for spending this time with us today, for sharing your personal experiences, for sharing the resources that we have available to families, the thought about these new ideas about what this could really mean to change our practice and improve our practice. And I I just really appreciate the honest conversation. Um, I kind of wrote down some notes and captured some words and putting all of your thoughts together into something that I think really identifies where we're at today. I think we have a complex system. I think it's difficult to navigate for our staff, for our families, for our youth, for our legislators. It's, it's difficult to navigate. It gets messy, right? It's not always full of warm hugs and happy faces and schedules that work. It's messy, it's really messy and it has some pitfalls. And I think that you as our resource centers can help us find solutions that we often can't even see but I think you can get us there. But I think the most important message that I heard today is um, these children are loved and they're loved by so many. When I hear about the experiences that each of you shared today and what it means to pull birth families together to help us build those bridges for these kids, the mutual commitment that an adoption is when it's a decision that a child enters into and you and your family enter into the thoughts about what it means to go above and beyond to keep those connections from a child's past, to bring them into the connections for their future, to help coach and guide our families and our staff throughout this journey. It's, 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 it's an overwhelming system, and I am so thankful for the partnerships that we have and for these continued relationships as we move forward. Ashton, I don't know about you, but I feel that we have captured the work that's happening in Missouri to help us find these permanent connections for our children and our families. And I'm just so thankful for this opportunity today. What are your thoughts, Ashton? What, if we could dream big, what, for your vision, what would
5: your vision be for our relationship with these organizations going forward? Um... Is it is it bigger than what we're doing? Is there anything
0: new that we could be doing better? Things like that. You know, Ashton, I think we heard bits and pieces today that put an answer of that question together for me. One of you mentioned the work that we need to be doing in congregate care settings. I looked at some numbers and we have right now about 973 youth between the ages of six and fourteen that have a goal of adoption. Some of those youth have an an identified resource and some of them don't. I know and all of us know that some of those youth are sitting in congregate care because they haven't found the right ways to deal with emotions and ask questions in a healthy space. I think the work that we could do in some congregate care settings around finding permanency for those youth would be a goal that I would really feel values our youth and helps move them forward rather than them lingering in care and leaving care without a permanent connection. I feel like that is an area where we need to do our heaviest lift of work. I think those are the voices that we often don't capture well and we haven't been able to find those solutions. That would be my goal, to really focus on what we could do for those youth to get them to permanent, permanent connections.
5: That's awesome. And thank you for sharing that. I know that maybe you didn't come prepared to answer that question, but um, yeah, I just want to thank all of you for um, participating on this call and and talking with us through your personal experiences, but also your, um, you know, what your organization is doing. And I just think that this is going to be a valuable conversation uh, for our team. Angie, unless you had anything left, I, I think that's uh, that's our podcast for today. I just want to thank you all for um, joining us in this really uh, important conversation about adoption and, and the partnerships that we, um, we have. And um, I just look forward to the work that uh, you guys get to keep doing together. So um, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Listen to more episodes of this podcast or our newest podcast, The Call to Foster, wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help us reach and inspire more Missourians. Thanks for listening.